then in verse 25 for I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another though my reins be consumed uh, with, within me now this evening we're continuing our resurrection uh, studies and uh, perhaps uh, this is the most uh, familiar and the best loved verse with reference to the resurrection that it is in the whole of scripture and uh, in these words we have Job's triumphant testimony and uh, his uh, joyful assurance his triumphant testimony concerning God's delivering him out of all his troubles out of all his distresses including all that sin has brought upon him and all the sicknesses and all the poverty that he suffered under the afflicting hand of God we find him giving expression to such words of triumph, victory and joyful assurance and uh, it is believed that uh, this uh, man lived and ministered nearly 2,000 years before Christ was born in this world and here we are nearly 2,000 years after Christ was born in this world and just as Job required a triumphant testimony and a joyful assurance 2,000 years BC so we today require the same triumphant testimony and the joyful assurance 2,000 years after Jesus rose again from the dead compared with the Job we have tremendous privileges we have tremendous insight into and access to information that was not so readily available to Job we have the benefit of hindsight Job had the privilege and the blessing of foresight he could see that his God his Redeemer was to come in the flesh and he could see that his Redeemer was to suffer in flesh and that his Redeemer was to die was to be buried and was to rise again from the dead on the third day Job, Job had this tremendous privilege and blessing of foresight through the spirit of prophecy and by that very same spirit we are blessed with the great privilege of hindsight and he had the wisdom of foresight and we have the wisdom of hindsight that is all of the things that Job hoped for were fulfilled and came to pass in fullness of time and all the things that we expect have already occurred and will occur in ourselves another day and so this is the day today this Sabbath day which is uh, the harbinger of the eternal rest that God has prepared for his people 
There remaineth a rest, therefore, for the people of God. And this rest is already begun by the institution of the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, the Sabbath day, Sunday, the first day of the week. Jesus rose again from the dead, and uh, he rose again in the newness of life. In newness of life. And uh, he was wearing his best clothes. He laid aside the, the death robes and he la left them in the tomb. He laid them aside and left them in the tomb. And he put on new garments, new clothing, new and blessed and glorious raiment, being reconstituted, his body being gloriously resurrected and gloriously transformed. He rose out of the tomb, gloriously changed, although he remained the same as he was. There was a half-wit in the parish of Fortrose in the Black Isle. And uh, he came to his ministers. And he came on the Saturday evening. And uh, his minister asked him, what is it that he wanted? He was a frequent minister, uh, visitor to the man. And the minister asked him, what is it that you are coming to see me about tonight? And the half-wit said to the minister, I've come, he says, uh, to, to, uh, to ask you if at all possible you could give me another shirt. The one I have is getting old and tattered. And the minister duly found for him a better one and gave it to him. And when they parted, the half-wit said to the minister, You know, minister, he says, the Saviour rose from the tomb on the Sabbath, dressed in his best clothes. And it's only fitting that I should go to church in my best clothes, he says. And Jesus therefore rose from the dead and on the third day, on the Sabbath day, the first day of the week, in his best clothes. He, he rose in his heavenly, in his glorious garments that uh, he was to take to heaven with him. So listen in it, I think, for ourselves. The half-wit had a good point. I think that we should present ourselves in public before God in our best possible clothes. Well, here we have Job's faith and expectation, Job's triumphant testimony, and his joyful assurance. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Now, these are extraordinary words. They're extraordinary words because they're spoken by this man out of the midst of extraordinary sufferings and adversity and sorrow. And it's out of the, such experiences as these that some of the most precious thoughts and the most precious words have been spoken by some of the most precious saints of God. And this man 
was one of God's precious saints. Job was one of God's jewels. Job was one of the precious sons of Zion. He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Job's confidence, firstly Job's confidence. My Redeemer. Under this expression, my Redeemer, is, is derived from the Hebrew Goel. This word Goel just simply means Redeemer. And to redeem simply means to buy back. To buy back the forfeited inheritance. To avenge the death of his brother. And the Goel is called the Avenger of Blood. And to vindicate the character or to defend and protect the rights of another. And the cities of refuge were established for this purpose. But the Goel, the Redeemer, the defender of the character and the rights of the innocent, would be accomplished by the Redeemer. Now then, it's easy to apply this to ourselves. We have forfeited our inheritance by our sin. We have forfeited our God-given inheritance, our God-given inheritance of <coughs> righteousness and holiness, our God-given inheritance of heaven. We have forfeited that inheritance. But uh, Jesus, our Redeemer, has come down from heaven to buy back our inheritance for us. He says, I am come that ye might have life and it, that he might have it more abundantly. Now he says that the Goel has power to, to avenge the death of his brother. And here we see Jesus, the Redeemer, taking bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh and becoming the elder brother, having power to destroy the works of the devil. And uh, able to do it through his own death on the cross and by it he condemned sin in the flesh he abolished death and made an end of sin and he conquered all his enemies triumphing over them in his cross making a show of them openly and leaving behind him an empty tomb Jesus is our goel he is our Redeemer. He is able to buy back for us our inheritance. And He is able to give us a new inheritance. He is able to provide for us a new heaven and a new earth. Well, and power to vindicate the character of another. And Jesus does that. He is the advocate with the Father who makes intercession for us uh, according to the will and the mind of God. He justifies us freely by his grace. He pardons us absolutely and cleanses us completely. He pleads our cause, any man's sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. Not that he pleads our innocence before God, but he pleads our guilt before God and he pleads his own sin atoning redemption work as uh, the ground of his appeal to God 
for our justification, pardon and cleansing. He ever liveth to make intercession for us according to the will of God. I know that my Redeemer liveth, he says. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And there are two sources of knowledge, internal and external. And first of all, there must be external, an external source of knowledge before there can be an internal source of knowledge. I know there's a, a ring of assurance and confidence about these words. I know that my Redeemer lives. There's no hesitancy, no dubiety, no doubts in his mind. I know that my Redeemer lives. Job had access to the writings and to the oral traditions handed down by the fathers. And Job had experience of God in his life before this. He had experiences of the mercy and the love and the protection and provision of God. And therefore his knowledge had an external source from the testimony of others. And it has this internal source. By divine enlightenment of his own mind. Divine enlightenment of his mind to know and understand God. I know, he says, in spite of my present terrible condition. Nevertheless, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know about his mercy. I have experienced his pardon. I experience his love day by day. I have experienced his salvation. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that his blood and righteousness are sufficient to save me. I know, although I am reduced, although I am dramatically and drastically reduced in my state and standing as to my personal health and to my personal wealth as to my property and possessions notwithstanding how reduced I am and how miserable I am and how sick and diseased I am and how near the gates of death I am nevertheless I know that my Redeemer liveth and this language obviously is the language of appropriation it is the language of possession it is the language of one who is cleaving fast to God. The one who has taken possession by faith of all that God is in terms of being a redeemer. It's the language of faith. God who was hiding himself from him in his adversity. Job in his adversity couldn't see God because of his adversity. Know how easy it is for us to deny God when things don't go right or well with us. It's very easy for us to say that there is no God. It is very easy for his wife to say to him, curse God and die. It is very easy for her to say that in the midst of Job's adversities and sicknesses and poverty and reduced state. It is easy for her to say that. But how much more easy would it have been for Job himself to say that? She wasn't suffering anything in the same degree as he was. And if it was easy for her to say it, how much more easy was it for him to say it? 
And how easy it is for us to say that when things go against us. When we say with Jacob, all these things are against me. How easy it is for us to say, God has forgotten me, as the psalmist has said. Will God cast off forever? Are his mercies clean gone forever? And how easy it is for us to say that in the midst of our adversities and sorrows, sufferings in this life. It's easy for us to speak against God. But here's a man, out of, the, out of his abandonment and dereliction of body and family and property, he lost his family, lost his property, all his family, all his property, all his health and all his wealth. And yet, out of that abysmal state, he is able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. For words of triumphant testimony and blessed assurance and joyful assurance, I know that my Redeemer lives. In the midst of all his adversity, still he was able to trust God. He was able to believe God and trust God. I know, he says, that my Redeemer liveth. Yes, he knew that God was the living God. He knew that God was the only living and true God, and that besides him there was no other God. And, Jesus, and Job was prepared to stake his all upon this. All that he knew and experienced of God in his life before, he was able to stake all his future upon this God. Job's experience would tell him that God was dead, that God had no longer any interest in him, that God had forsaken him and abandoned him. But contrary to all that his experience told him, Job was prepared to believe in God as the living God, that God was the living, the self-existent God, that God had life in himself, and he was able to give life to everyone who came to him. The Father hath life in himself, says Jesus, and hath given unto the Son to have life in himself, and he hath power to give life unto as many as the Father giveth me. I know that my Redeemer, my Redeemer, not the Redeemer or our Redeemer, but mine. What a difference that makes. As Paul puts it, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a me in salvation. It's a mine in redemption. My Redeemer. Not simply a Redeemer or the Redeemer, but my Redeemer. Oh, what a difference that my makes. How sweet and how important that little word my. How great are the importance and consequences of little things. My is the little word that links Job to the great Redeemer. The little word my is the, is, the, uh, is the word that links 
the believer to the Redeemer. My Redeemer by divine gift. My Redeemer by divine gift. And we can look back over the 2,000 years that are past and we can see God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. We can see Jesus in his redemption sufferings in his body and in his soul when God made his soul an offering for sin. When Jesus suffered in our room and stand, when he was in the process thereby of making an end of sin, my sin and yours, so that we can say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He had a clear understanding of it. I know that my Redeemer liveth. He had an inward assurance of his understanding. Just like the Apostle Paul, you remember what he said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul had assured knowledge and assured convictions. Not I think or I hope or I hear, but I know, I know that he is the Almighty. I know that he is the all-merciful, the long-suffering God who is able to say, I know his merit as to the one who is God in my nature. I know his merits. I know that uh, I am accepted to God in him. I know that his blood speaketh peace and better things than that of Abel. I know his love and compassion. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, argues the Apostle. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that uh, ye through his poverty might become rich. And there you have Jesus, in all the abandonment of his state and condition upon the cross, in the midst of all his dreadful sufferings. He suffered there for you and for me, to be my Redeemer. I know, Job says, his faithfulness. I know his faithfulness, that he will not forsake me utterly. I know his faithfulness to his word and his promises. I know his faithfulness to his sins. And then secondly, let's observe, notice, the blessings Job hoped for. See how he acknowledges his own mortality. He felt his own life was soon to be at an end. He was aware of the certainty of death. He speaks of worms and decomposition. He speaks of death. But uh, over against all this, his being sown in weakness, he understood what Paul tells when he said that our body, which is corruption, is sown in corruption and sown in weakness, it will be raised in power and raised in glory. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand. 
As the latter day upon the earth, and though after my worm, after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. Yes, he was standing as it were at the gates of death, at the gates of corruption. Ah, but yet, even at the gates of corruption, he was able to say, Though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. You behold God in the body worms destroy. But this very body which worms would destroy, he believed that it would be reconstituted, that his body would be reconstituted in a glorious body that it would be sown in weakness and corruption, but that it would be raised in power and in incorruption and in glory. He would behold God in the body worms destroyed, a body new, changed and glorious, a body sown in corruption, but raised in incorruption, sown in weakness, but raised in power. He expected his redemption to be effected by his Redeemer, says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yes. I am he that was dead, says Jesus, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And Job uh, associated his uh, resurrection with Jesus' second coming and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. That Jesus will stand at the latter day, or the last day, upon the earth. His faith in the Goel, the Redeemer, was of such a character as that he was convinced and assured that this body that was so emaciated by disease and sickness and eventually sown in the ground and given to the worms and corruption that his Redeemer would raise him up, raise up his body out of the grave and give him a new and a glorious body. Job fully expected to see his Redeemer in his re resurrection body, whom I shall see. Oh yes, blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says, for they shall see God. We shall be like him, says the psalmist, and says John, the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, seer. It's wonderful for us to see some of the world's great men but incomparably greater is it to see the Redeemer who is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. No wonder he wished that his words were now written. Verse 23, Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. But, uh, but uh, the master engraver would take 
a steel chisel and chisel out in some prominent rock this great saying of Job I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body yet in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another oh that my words were now written oh that they were printed in a book that they were graven with an iron pen and lead in a rock whatever that the that the that the man with a hammer and chisel would uh, engrave these words in the rock and fill these letters with lead that they might stand out and that they might be read as a memorial to Job's triumphant testimony and joyful expectation that uh, Jesus his Goel, his Redeemer, would uh, stand in the latter day upon the earth and that uh, he would redeem Job from the worms of the earth and from all the abasement and humiliation of death and the grave and that he would uh, reconstitute him spirit and body in uh, the likeness of himself that we may be conformed to the image of the Son. Oh, that my words were now written, for I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Is your experience like Job's? Do you know scripturally and experimentally that Christ is Goel, Redeemer, and that he liveth, that he is the living God, Is this great truth, your hope and your consolation in the midst of your sorrows and sufferings? Is this your hope? Life is passing on, passing on. Your life is passing on like a river. And all of us are being carried away by the river of life. And soon we'll be swept out into the ocean of eternity. solemn the change to pass from time to eternity and the gospel reveals a glorious resurrection for those who obey it and it proclaims a shameful ignominious death for all those who remain impenitent and who remain disobedient to this heavenly work who cast aside this glorious gospel this glorious good news that our Redeemer liveth. Do you believe that? My Redeemer liveth. Can you say that? Can you say it in the same confident, assured way that Job said? Oh, what a glorious day this day is. This Sabbath day is a glorious day. Every Sabbath day is a glorious day. God wedded Israel to the Sabbath day. 
because it was a day that contained so many rich and precious blessings for Israel. It was the day that God ceased from his own labor and rested the seventh day and hallowed it. The Sabbath day is a glorious day, a day of glorious opportunities, glorious privileges for the children of men because on the Sabbath day there is proclaimed the glad tidings of great joy, the glorious gospel of the grace of God that bringeth salvation to men. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand upon the earth. Do you know that? Do you believe that? That Jesus is the Savior, and he is able to save unto the uttermost. All who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth, to make intercession for them. Amen. We pray that it may please thee to give us that knowledge and that conviction that thou didst give thy servant Job that hope and glorious expectation that he knew his Redeemer liveth. We pray that...